Broadcasting from the Penny Arcade Expo in Seattle, Washington. Thank God that even in 1985, Nintendo was... PAX Prime 2010. I am just starting to play Dragon Age. I made an elf rogue named Fagballs. This is the After the Fact Podcast. Fagballs, we need to go and raid the castle. Are you allowed to have alcohol in this area? Oh, dear God. Well, do you, do you, are you part, sporting a flask or something? No, but, I mean, if you're going to be back here tomorrow night, I could try to help. There's also a <laughs> if convenience if store where yeah, I could buy a six-pack of beer. If it's below the radar, I think it'll be okay. But it's, uh, <laughs> So us, us screaming and yelling and cans yeah, of Keystone th- Light all over the floor is probably a bad idea. Yeah, start shooting <laughs> body shots. <laughs> Bust out the limes and the salts. We're in trouble. Well, that's a gaming convention. I think somebody should have a bottle of Crown Royal in a, in a purple bag. <laughs> oh, God. Just the bag anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, the there's bag. a million Crown Royal bags. Yes, <laughs> yeah. everyone's carrying around their dice. Hey, I gotta. I I need to empty the bottle in order to have my dice bag. That's right. right? That's exactly right. I've totally forgotten how to start the show. So it's your show. It is. I know it's my show, and I've, I completely forget how to do this. So, um, welcome to episode 16 of the After the Fact podcast. We are at Penny Arcade Expo in Seattle, Washington. Pax Prime, as it's called. Um, today, I am joined by Mark Schmaltz. Hello. Is it okay for me to call you Sparky on the show? That's fine. <laughs> uh, Andy Padel. Hey. And Pax's own Jeff Callis. Oh, thank you very much. You can call me Sparky as well. Oh, okay. That, that might be confusing. confusing. All right. Fair so, enough. Uh, can I call you Spanky? Maybe uh, that'll Well, happen. it depends. It, it, we'll uh, debate it over a hand of poker sometime. <laughs> um, there's really no structure to this particular show. Normally, the podcast uh, revolves around classic God video gaming. Damn it, gaming, I played so. Kid Icarus just for this show to yeah. talk about... Oh, is that, I'm just kidding. Yeah, hey, <laughs> we'll get you on the Kid Icarus show right, then. Fair enough. Um, so we're just going to be talking about our experiences at the show. I'll probably spend a little time talking to, to Jeff here about... Uh, you know about what you what he does for the show and uh, what's coming up in the next couple of days. Um, Andy didn't really get to go to the show at all today, which is awesome. So you, you walked in off the street, and are you gonna, you're going you're going to be sitting here talking on a podcast about packs when you haven't actually well, attended you know, packs. I have been for the past five years to <laughs> everyone. We can talk I'm, about what he's looking forward to. Yeah, I'm sure he's got some great questions about what happened today. <laughs> oh. Did anyone get stabbed with a pen? And a, you know, no. anything like that? No. no. Did someone last year? Uh, no, that no, was San, San Diego. Diego. <laughs> really? It was happened? amazing. Harry Potter convention, like uh, panel type thing. Two people argued over a chair. One person stabbed, stabbed the, the other, other guy. Stabbed the other way. Didn't actually, I think, hit like above the eye. Like it didn't actually go in his eyeball, but. Which I was really disappointed because I was working. Well, you're disappointed it didn't go into his eyeball? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> let me tell you. I heard the original one and it's like. A guy got stabbed in the eye at the Harry Potter panel. I'm like, this is fucking amazing. Every story that starts out like that has to be amazing, right? No shit, there I was. So, all right. Yeah, I, um, no stories about stabbings as far no, as, as, far as I know. I hope so. I um, haven't heard any horror stories, but it's still, it's still young, seeing as the panel d- or the, the uh, show doesn't close till 2 a.m. Yeah, there's, a, there's a, still a room full of uh, beanbag cha- chairs with uh, questionable cleanliness. Um, so I know you blame <laughs> those. I claim they're sanitary for those who. How could they possibly be sanitary I, on day two? It's vinyl. On day one, nothing fair. lives on vinyl. That's fine. <laughs> uh, 
uh, some of the gamers sleep on vinyl. Right, th- you will come in tomorrow morning and see people that have managed to escape security and just slept. Because outside of the panel rooms, I, you know, the core part of that convention center is open, basically. I guess if you hours. pile enough of those pillows on top of you, nobody can see. I actually that witnessed that happen last year. Uh, there was there was a pile of, of sumos out there, and some dude about my size walked up to him and fell backward into them, and you hear, <laughs> underneath... <laughs> Oh my god! So. Yeah, you'll see if you walk through in the middle of the night, you'll see them creating all sorts of games like how high can we stack these and still jump <laughs> over them. Um, I, I, they're gamers, right? That's so they're creating games with their environment On naturally. The fly. Fantastic! That is fantastic. So should we do a more formal introduction? Because although I introduce, I don't know anyone's backgrounds, and I'm just curious where all the other guests sure. there. We'll ask you so last. I don't we'll go ahead and all right, fair enough. go with that. Andy's already had his introduction on the show to some degree. I wrote a comic book once. Um. <laughs> What's the time? See, uh, uh, the I'm other gonna, listeners, I'm but I'm... I'm, I'm ne- I am not a frequent listener. I apologize, Luke. Don't worry about it. I get it. I will from now on. Uh, right. And yeah. I'll be on time to every show that I, I come to. You will increase I'm our listener. Subscribe. You will increase our listener base by at least 12% That's right. by listening the so. faith, the faithful other eighty four percent, eighty eight percent. All right, you wrote a comic book once. That's yeah, that, that's, that's it. That's, I, I was a uh, in an intangible void before I walked <laughs> up those escalators. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Sparky. Well, I'm Sparky because that was the name. Uh, that was my old gaming name, and it's what they called me when I. I had old gaming buddies that worked at Wizards of the Coast, and that's what they called me when I walked in the door. So immediately I became Sparky at Wizards of the Coast, and I used that online. Uh, I was uh, I was support at Wizards of the Coast for all the all the games, mm-hmm. uh, and that that was my start in gaming. Um, I was also uh, managing the web team there. I worked at Real Networks and Casual Games. Uh, I'm employed by Green Running Publishing. They do. Um, Mutants and Masterminds, they have the Song of Ice and Fire tabletop license, they have the Dragon Age tabletop license. I was one of the founding members of the Game Mechanics as well. It's a small publishing mm-hmm. company. We did mostly PDF and Green Running did some of our print. Um, and right now, well, right now I'm Green Running Publishing. <laughs> I remember seeing a post on Facebook from Chris, the owner of, of Green Running, uh, Green Running th- uh, where he said... Um, he wished that every time he brought up the Song of Ice and Fire uh, games that they published, that the first question out of gamers' mouths would would not be, "When the fuck is he going to finish the books?" I, <laughs> that's that's a hundred percent true. <laughs> no matter who, if you have a Song of Ice and Fire fan, that is the first comment they will make when you tell them you publish the game. Uh, that's my wife. She's she is that person. She's it's the same thing with Wheel of Time, right? Everybody wanted jo- Robert Jordan to finish the books before he died, and he failed at that. So <laughs> I wanted him to die. <laughs> <laughs> Millions of people disappointed. Just one person has to go. That's a win-win situation. <laughs> and since we're doing audio, uh, Chris says Green Ronin like it rhymes, but he doesn't flinch when other people say Green Ronin. So I say Green It's Ronin, okay whatever. both ways. Sure. I, I'm sure that the appropriate pronunciation is Ronin, uh, but I don't really care enough. I, so I don't think you should. <laughs> so that leads us into the question for you then, Jeff. Uh, well, what I really want to know is when that book four is... No, I... See, I read... <laughs> I read the blog. I read George R. R. Martin's blog, so I, I, I know where that's at. But, yes, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Jeff uh, Callis, I've been in the video game industry, boy, since 94. 
so 16 years. Um, 11 and a half of those I spent with uh, Nintendo of America. I work in my web from literally being a gameplay counselor and through QA. Yeah, yeah, yeah back when they did live before you're the, the guy, internet. You're, you're the guy from The Wizard with no. all the binders. Oh, that and is the, feet the funniest, the desk, right? funniest scene <laughs> in that movie because she calls and says, yeah, I need every trick to every game. And I'm like, fuck, I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> my job was to get you off that phone as soon as possible. Get you an answer that makes you happy, but get you off the phone because <laughs> I want to go back to playing whatever it was I was playing at my desk. Um, worked my way through there, QA, producing, uh, and, and was doing... Uh, Helping with second-party development or outside development games that Nintendo was publishing by the time I left. I uh, did a stint doing biz dev in mobile. Really good learning experience. We'll never touch mobile again with a 10-foot <laughs> pole. That is a crazy-ass industry. And that was before Apple got into it, which has made it even worse. Um, and then uh, ended up at, at Penny Arcade for the last few years. And yay me. Um, what exactly do you do for Penny Arcade? Uh, on a day-to-day basis, uh, ad sales. Uh, okay. For the site, uh, but we are fairly small. I think we're a dozen strong right now. But when I started, I think we we're seven. Um, so everyone does a little bit of everything. Uh, so we also have a digital distribution uh, platform that we're working on called Greenhouse. It's been dormant for a while because we're uh, redoing all the tech and back end. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's a booth out on the show floor. I uh, saw that with World of Goo. Yeah. It, so instant action. Um, the Garage Games. Seattle's an earthquake. Um, Instant Action is powering all of it, so we just kind of relaunched, and they're showing, and yet it moves, and World of Goo, and and Braid, and there's a bunch of other titles that we haven't announced that are Actually, there's one that's not fold in the system, but there's the new Archon. So anyone who's familiar with Archon... The, like the chess, battle yes. chess game? So, yes, so I used to play that on a Commodore 64. You and me both, brother. <laughs> um, so the original creative team that owns the IP got the IP back after oh. all the craziness, oh. and they've, they, they've redone it in 3D, and it's, but it still has... So you can play the old version. Nice. Or you can play the new version that's got improved gameplay mechanics and everything, or you can play the new gameplay mechanics with the old graphics or the new graphics. That's pretty cool. It's freaking awesome. So if you get a chance to ch- see that on the show floor, check it out. Um, so I am the content manager for that platform. Uh, okay. Using my skills to that I learned at Nintendo to help evaluate titles. Um, is it is it a it's a PC platform? I'm assuming. Uh, PC, Mac, PC, and Mac. Okay. and uh, Linux. We're working on on Linux as well. Why? I think we're the number one. Well, somebody needs to. <laughs> well. What's funny is just by being a Linux distributor, <laughs> you're immediately the number one Linux distributor on the internet. I was going to say, it's, it's because it's Penny Arcade and it's a bunch of geeks. <laughs> Fair. That's right. Actually, yeah, all the Penny Arcade episodes of, of the game were cross-platform at launch for all three nice. operating systems. Uh, so that's my day-to-day. I'm missing another one that I can't remember off the top of my head. This is how crazy it is. Uh you clearly do something for the actual show. So for PAX right? itself, I'm not so much in the day-to-day operations. There's a few clients, I Nintendo, that I have pretty strong relationships with and I help out. Um, but believe it or not, most of my day is spent going from panel room to panel room, moderating or helping organize uh, panels that we're involved in. So I feel like I'm really dominating this. Uh, so That's <laughs> fine. Yeah. You're the, you're actually the first uh, interview that we may have ever had on the oh, show. Oh, really? I'm not I'm kind. not part of the inside baseball team. I'm I mean, not. you can be once we start just bullshitting about stuff. But I think there's a lot of people that might actually want to hear like stuff uh, like an insider's view of the show. Of so the show? I was I was yeah. going to say I haven't been to much of PAX. This is actually the second one I've been an attendee at, um, and so uh, I had basically two pretty good panels and one not so hot panel 
Fair uh, so far today. I was wondering what oh. you thought, how you thought things had. Yeah. Oh, God, that panel was <laughs> it painful. Was, it was awful. That's good uh, feedback. I, uh, I'm glad. Um, uh, actually, so I don't want to pick on them too much. Uh, be, uh, anyway, the. Why do we care? Do you actually think they're going to listen to this? I don't. It was a test panel. And it was miserably boring stuff until they got the guy who asked the question, what is the worst bug you've ever found? Right. That's the most that, interesting part of yeah. it, right? That was a great five minutes of that panel, and everything else was just uh, tedium. A- abysmal. Mm. So, um, I, 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 texted, I texted somebody. I think I, that I said me. that the, uh, the, uh, um, the panelists have the combined personality of boiled tofu <laughs> because it was so boring. Gotcha. Ugh. I was just wondering what you, th- how you thought the the panels had evolved. I mean, you've se- you said you were at the first one and you yep. did all the panels then. I was just wondering what you thought. So, so as the show has grown, um, originally, Penny Arcade generated all the content for the panels in terms of we want these people and we want these panels, and it worked really well. But we got so big that we needed to switch to a user submission process, mm-hmm. and so there goes a call out. And if you go to packsite.com and check it, they'll be, okay, we're accepting submissions for panels. And people said, okay, here's my panel idea, here are my panelists. And we try to vet them as well as we can, but there's several hundred submissions. Um, I think this year we s- received three times as many submissions as there are for actual panels, space for them. And so you try to vet them as best you can and based on the description and the talent. And maybe you know somebody or know somebody who knows somebody that can vouch for, for the content. Um, you sign them up. And testing is always a really popular subject. Any, yeah. Anything where it's about breaking into the industry, because most of the people, well, everyone that attends Hacks is an industry fan usually of some type. Yeah. And, and a lot of them, their biggest desire in the world would be to work in the industry in some capacity. And a lot of people still see test. They still think test is the way in. Exactly. So we always try to do some sort of test panel. In, um, in theory, and ex- and. Uh, like when you read the description of the panel, it definitely was an interesting idea. Uh, the execution of it, though, just ended up being kind of repetitive. So, so. yeah, there's definitely there's a PAX post-mort, and mm-hmm. we get the feedback from forums and emails, and, and we really encourage people to talk about what they liked and don't like, and we go over it with a fine-tooth comb. Mm-hmm. And if they would like to do that again, we would encourage them to look at the feedback and analyze and figure out ways to improve that particular presentation. <laughs> So my other critiques, though, the first the first one I tried to attend was the game design panel at ten thirty, and even though most of the panel had changed from the program, it was still pretty good. There was some some good information that was shared, and then I also went to the uh, I don't remember the exact title, but it was one of the women in gaming panels. Okay. Oh, I was going to uh, ask how that one went. The one organized, I think Beth Goza was the organizer for that one, and she's she's good. I really want to go to the. Uh, think that IGN's doing one of a girl fight doing a panel based mm. on girl fight one of their podcasts so yeah. I, I kind of want to go to that one but yeah I, it's it, I <laughs> the drawback is there's p- many panels I'd love to just sit and attend yeah. and I never get a chance I, I did a couple of PAX East but um, do you get any time to actually wander around the show floor at all? a little bit I mean, it depends on like uh, this this one's not too bad tomorrow I don't have any time I'm, I'm packed pretty much all day but um I'll find windows here and there to go. Uh, yeah. This year is only six panels. Five that I'm moderating, one that I'm just heavily involved in the organization. Now, I take that back. I picked up a panel I didn't have on the schedule, so seven panels this year. <laughs> um, I had a year one year of, of... Boy, that sounded stupid. I had a PAX <laughs> one year that... 
<laughs> yeah, please. No, you're not going to edit that out. I understand. We have that TV crew that follows us around. Whenever you say edit that out, that guarantees it gets into the final footage. <laughs> so I've learned that this is this is a truthism in broadcasting. Um, I had 11 one year, and that was nuts. Oh, that's terrible. What's really bad is when they get back-to-back. Yeah. And I try to avoid that as much as possible. And I try to get the ones, at least see one of Mike and Jerry's panels. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I usually make it to the... When I do make it to the expo hall, it's to meet somebody or to meet, hey, I need to go talk to this person who's working at yeah. this booth so I don't get it. To schmooze. Yeah. I might get a sneak in before it opens to the public and maybe play a couple games. Yeah. But so uh, um, I totally just lost the question that I was going to ask. Right. I had something in my mind. But, oh, how did, you, how did you get involved with Penny Arcade in the first place? Okay. This is actually <laughs> my best friend in high school. One of my best friends in high school was Mike Krahulik also known as Gabe's, mm-hmm. boss at the Spokane Circuit City. That's right. When they started. And I was working at Nintendo at the time, and he wrote me and said, hey, this guy that, that works with me is doing this comic strip about video games, and it's really good. You should check it out. So I went and read it, and yes, it was really good. So I said, hey, I work at Nintendo. Um, next time you guys are in the Seattle area, come come by. Mm-hmm. I'll tour you around. We'll go to the employee store. And um, sure enough, they did. They were really shy and nervous. And they, at that point, they hadn't really had much interaction with publishers at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this was pre-Robert, before Robert kind of became the business Robert? manager. Robert Koo is the business manager of Penny Arcade, and he's the okay. one who's kind of – he is the driving business force of how PAX has come okay. and the book. He's, he's the one who's got the business plan of where okay. how, how Penny Arcade's navigated the future. Um, so I became kind of their informant. <laughs> they actually referenced me once in a news post where they trying to break me. Um, anyone who's ever worked at Nintendo knows that you are deathly afraid of spilling company secrets, <laughs> even just cocking casually. You are deathly afraid. To this day, I've been gone for o- over five years. I am afraid the Nintendo police are going to come <laughs> and get me at any moment. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so uh, they tell this whole story about trying to interrogate me. And no matter how they approach the subject, I always give them a sly smirk. Um, and so as as they've grown, I've kept up this friendship um, with them throughout the years. And Robert came on, and I, I, I was friends with him. And in the very first PAX... Um, they reached out to me and I was nice to have a Nintendo person on all these panels to give it some credibility. Although getting approval to be on it was a nightmare and a half. It took several <laughs> months of bureaucratic nonsense and paperwork. Um, Jesus. And uh, I was uh, I was at my mobile job. Uh, they had just fired the third CEO in two years. <laughs> and uh, I got an email from Robert that said, hey, do you know anyone who might be good for this this position? And I said, I got the perfect candidate <laughs> and sent my resume. Oh, oh please, oh, please, oh, please. I know, that was all I said. I said, I've got the perfect guy for you. And I just attached my resume. And <laughs> I kid you not, not probably 30 seconds later, I got a, are you serious? <laughs> and I went, yeah. And by the end of that week, I had signed a, a, a hiring letter. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's, it was. It's all about who you know is what you're trying to tell us. It was a little bit, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was serendipitous well, and who you know. It's about who you're nice to on the way up. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, I mean, I, I hopefully I'm nice to everybody. So you've actually been for Titus. in PAX since the beginning. Yeah, like I, I didn't work there, and uh, but I've been on a panel 
at least one panel since the very beginning. Um, it all started, boy, I'm going to tell just stories. I feel bad. I'm taking all the mic. Whatever. Um, <laughs> We're so, sitting here bullshitting about stuff. That's what it's all about. So, so the catalyst was a, a, a session called Pitch Your Game. Um, because every yeah. year at E3, I would, here's where the Nintendo police are going to come get me. <laughs> every year at the end of E3, I would take Mike and Jerry and the, the whole entourage from Penny Arcade out to a very nice meal on Mario's dime. <laughs> <laughs> I, on the expense report, they were always developer XYZ. Yeah. And so one year, um, they asked me, well, what, what do you do at E3? And it was during a phase where I was doing producing, and I was I listened to really bad game pitches <laughs> all day because that was that was my E three. I sit in a meeting room, and all these developers come looking for a publishing deal, and I get I hear I hear fifty million bad ideas waiting for that one really good one that yeah. Yeah, okay we can move forward with. So as the alcohol was consumed, they started pitching me their bad ideas, <laughs> and it, we ended up having a really fun night. Um, and so when they started PAX, they came to me and said, hey, we want to turn this into a panel. Okay. And since then, the Picture Game panel has been a panel that's been at every PAX, and I've been on every one except one. Nice. Um, and it's just, it, I think it's the most fun, entertaining panel because it's really, it's not, it's not meant to be serious. It's not meant to be... Right. I'm going to get my game published. It's meant to be... Well, because anybody that would walk into a panel like that with actually a serious game idea is is just a little bit You dumb. don't announce you don't, the idea yeah, to a exactly. room full of people. A room full of people, potentially, who have the actual means to make it happen. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I, I try to warn them, and there's always that one person that comes with their idea they've been holding on to for years. I, it's meant to be a silly kind of gong show-esque and I'm dating myself a little bit um, for those who don't know who Chuck Paris is and, yeah. and, 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 and the gong show. It's meant to be more silly and fun, and people it, people really get into the spirit of it. Um, one guy pitched um, zombie car wash, and <laughs> some people come with one-liners where uh, he was a, it was a, an RPG where um, you... you uh, you go to dinner and uh, but you you can't pay for the you, the whole meal so you leave just the tip and so the title of the game was just the tip <laughs> and all the scenarios were double entendres of oh. how it's just the tip and so so people really get in the spirit and it's a lot of fun and and that's that is tomorrow and that's uh, what I'm looking forward that's to. That's actually a panel that I I now wish that I had attended when I went because I I went to the first two packs uh, no first three. Um, and maybe I'm getting in trouble for saying this. The first two I got in for free. Sorry, right. uh, because I, I got we in were for at, free too. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> we were because it you know it was at Maidenbauer and yeah. Maidenbauer was tiny compared to what it is now. And um, I remember uh, the first packs. Uh, my buddy Trey had gone because he was originally going to c- compete in a Halo uh, mm-hmm. competition, yep. right? And his entire team bailed on him. <clears throat> so he calls me up on Saturday at PAX and he's like, "You want to go to PAX?" And I'm like. No, not really. And he's like, <laughs> he's, he's like, okay. There's only like fifteen hundred people yeah. there. He's like, no, 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 no. You want to go to PAX? I'm like, what? What do you mean? And he's like, hold on, I'll be right there. So he drives from Bellevue over to our house, uh, our apartment, which is you know a couple miles away. And he knocks on my door and he walks in and he looks and he goes, they don't have badges. All they have is hand stamps. 
and he shows me this green hand stamp yep. with the Pax logo. Oh, you and he's like, it. He's like, anybody that has a little bit of artistic talent <laughs> and a green highlighter can get into this show. So we duped the stamps on the back of our hands yep. and got into the show. The second time, though, the second year, we just walked in the door. So there was no security whatsoever. There were some, there we were some like, key Whoa. learnings for the first two years, <laughs> mostly about badges and then later security coverage. <laughs> so thank you for helping us improve the show is what I'm saying. You're welcome. Uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting at the time because it was really tiny. Like, Well, well the, we outgrew that space in three years. So yeah. until I think it was last year or the year before, we actually, our attendance literally doubled in size mm-hmm. every year. And that's unheard of. Um, so we went from 1,500 to 3,000 to 7,000. And at that 7,000, we were pretty much maxing out Mainbauer. And, and even now, um, we could probably double again. We've just run in. I mean, this year, we've spilled over to two other buildings. Yeah. We're, we're out of available space. Well, I think, um, I think part of that is probably because this is the only real consumer-based video game convention in the world. It, it, Mike and Jerry say... Well, I mean, aside from maybe TGS, but I mean, well, in the yeah, United yeah, States yeah, in is the, what In I North say. America. It is, it is yeah. the largest gaming festival in North America, yeah. is, is the official tagline. And Mike and Jerry say it much better than we do. It's the convention they've always wanted to attend, mm-hmm. and no one else was doing it. So yeah. they decided, we're going to do it. <coughs> and it was literally, what do we want to see? What are things we would attend at a show? Oh, I, I love music. Oh, you know, I'd love to get some some panels, some insider panels on the industry, and uh, let's do tournaments, and and let's do just free play for those who want to do it. And oh, we got to bring in the pen and paper stuff, mm-hmm. and it's it it takes all the best elements of gaming culture, and combines them under one roof, yeah. and it, you know, we do have corporate sponsorships, and there's the expo hall for, full of big publishers, but. PAX is meant as a community service and so all of the content decisions are always driven about how does this best serve the community yeah and you know I, I people people understand when you're genuine as a they inherently know as opposed to when it's just a marketing scheme yeah and this I mean you can't get more genuine than than the atmosphere you get out of this con like it's it's because I've gone to <clears throat> I've been independent paper gaming all my life, basically, and I, I've gone to Gen Con now four or five times, which is not, you know, not as much as a lot of other people. And for the traditional gaming industry, that that's exactly it's the same. It's the same idea. You know, you're going in and it's it's just slammed with with trading card games and role playing games and pen and paper RPGs, and they're all over the place. You know, they it spans out across several hotels. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> you see, it like the TCG room is um, gigantic. I, I don't, I couldn't give you square footages, but it, you know, it's like it's massive mm-hmm. when you walk in there. And and this is kind of like uh, PAX to me is more video game centric. Clearly, it, it, uh, it is, and uh, that's probably a function of its location. You know, a, a little bit, yeah. You know, and <coughs> it, but you know, I I think the tabletop area is some of the most fun area to walk through for me. What I really enjoy are seeing the people that have set up their home created games in the in, yeah. the in the free play areas. You can see all sorts of crazy experimental board games, and people bring their games to play test, and that stuff's fantastic. And you can't do that in a in an environment that's all geared for the corporate 
Right. Yeah. It's, it's exactly. It's you couldn't do that at E3 or GDC or um, yeah. You know, even San Diego Comic Con to some degree has gotten so gigantic. Talk, yeah, talk about um, it commercialized. <coughs> but I've never been actually. Believe it or not, I'd love I. to go. I really want to go as well. Um, but like just to see it. <coughs> But that's one of the things that I that I personally love about this con now. I mean, maybe not when it started because when it started, it was definitely something to me that was just like, ah, oh, this is just some local thing. It was it was on par with. Sorry to say this, it was on par with like Norwest Con, Sakura well, Con, maybe. Nor- Norwest Con and, uh, was one of the one of the primary, I think, uh, genesis. Yeah. Of of what PAX became. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what it's grown into, though. It, you're right. It's like. It's everything I love about gaming, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, you, it's easy to go to PAX and just go to the things that you like. Yeah, and you don't, you know, you can go and never step foot in the expo hall if you don't want to be overwhelmed with sights and sounds and yeah. lines. Fun. There's <laughs> fun. a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> you want to avoid the fun? Don't, don't want to go in that room over there. It looks like they're having There's too fun. Much fun. I I'm actually stand on the. Uh, let's go in this little side room full of closets. So and, like, you know, coats this and closet with a bunch of people playing like old. Avalon Hill games where it doesn't smell quite right. So the best part of today for me, one of the best parts, is I actually slipped into a, an area called the Developers Lounge today. And it's just all developers just sitting around talking about different issues in the industry. That's room 310, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's really, it was awesome. So I'm sitting there and they, they had just had a bunch of new people come in, including myself. And they said, well, let's, let's introduce ourselves and where are you from and why are you here? So everyone's going and the guy before me stands up. My name's Steven Jackson. Yeah. I um uh you know I work on some pen and paper stuff and I'm I'm looking to figure out how to kind of branch out into some of this <laughs> electronic stuff. <coughs> what? This is who I have to follow. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really cool that he's just sitting there interacting, yeah. learning. You know, of course, the first question is when's Munchkin coming to DLC? <laughs> mm. I got brushed off at the Geek Chic booth because of Steve Jackson. <gasps> I was talking, not really, but I was talking to the, uh, the owner of Geek Chic because I'm thinking about ordering a table and uh, uh, it got toward the end of our conversation and then finally he, like Steve Jackson, walked in and was talking to him, was wanting to talk to him about a table and he's like, I said, that's Steve Jackson, I gotta go. I want to know why there's not a gaming industry drone room. I mean, you can, sure, you talk to the game designers Seriously. and that's great and all, but what about those of us who, who just uh, work? That's, that's the rest of the, the attendees. I know. That's, oh, damn. <laughs> I'm not special. It's the pixel mine room. You can uh, tell by the, the dead glazed over eyes of everyone inside. <laughs> Have you been to PAX every year, Padel? You said? Uh, since I moved out here, so like five years now. Five years. Has it, so that, so you haven't blur, been to it at, uh, so, at no. Maidenbauer no. at all. It's always been here. How many years? When was the first one? Uh, oh, f- oh, say how old is Gabe? Six, because <laughs> Gabe was born at the first PAX, like right around the same time. Uh, Mike's kid, so it's uh, yeah. I didn't join until uh, my first PAX as an employee. I think was the first one here. Okay. I think they all blur together after a while. Yeah, that's what Padel just said too. That's because I'm drunk most of the time. I mean, <laughs> did any of you guys make the trip out to Boston for our first PAX East? Nope. No, I was asked to go and I did not. Uh, it was really interesting. It's it's. I, I mean, heard it was much more compact. It was the the venue was already too small for. for I don't <laughs> think they expected when they booked the venue originally. Even though it was not really a first year show, it was a f- first year show in terms of. Location. Uh, location and organizers and right. expectations and things like that. And it blew those out of the water. Um, it, it, but it was it was really 
cool to see how the vibe because that was our biggest concern is it going to still feel like PAX on the east coast and mm -hmm. keeping it true to that community feel um transcends the the state boundaries yeah. it, it just, you know, nerds are are nerds everywhere geeks are geeks everywhere well, uh, I mean, uh, that's what I love. I love the fact that it's in my backyard, and I'm sure that people on the East Coast were like, God damn it, I don't know if that's I want to go all the way to right. Seattle. I mean, no, and then when they found one in their own home, they're like, holy shit, if yeah! You, if you go to Mike and Jerry's Q&A, it's funny. We've got the one in Boston, but we still get, oh, when's PAX coming to my state? PAX South, <laughs> PAX Australia, PAX <laughs> Moon, you know? I, I, <laughs> PAX Tuvalu. I, I, I think Jerry's standard joke is, is PAX under the water, under the sea, PAX eventually. <laughs> So it's yeah, it's it's uh, it's a great for me. It it reaffirms why I got in the industry in the first place. Yeah. It, it really kind of recharges my batteries in terms of passion for what I do. And mm -hmm. completely drains them for everything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm exhausted and energized all at the same time. It's this crazy conflict. I, I can understand that. I, I had the same thing um, I, when I went to Gen Con this year, just because uh, for me, like I'm I'm I, in my personal life i do a lot of like like kind of closet game designing like traditional game you designing. design closets i do wow i do he designs games for closets. i design <laughs> games for closets. hold on <laughs> I you, play hear about the, you can either play the game with the closet or sit in the closet while playing the game it's just <laughs> that's how i met my wife <laughs> met your wife just kidding um, i was gonna say that's how met i met your wife, wife as well <laughs> <laughs> it's a well-designed game um, it's multiplayer and I felt the same thing. I went to Gen Con and I was like, there was a lot of projects that I had on the back burner that I hadn't really touched in a while. And then I went to Gen Con, or I, not only then, but I pre prepping for Gen Con, I was like, oh God, I got to go back to this and start writing my rules again. And you know, coming here does the same thing. I kind of yeah. like get, you know, all of that, all of the, all of the ideas that I'm not going to pitch at the pitcher game because I actually think they you might want to turn them into <laughs> might go somewhere or starting to creep back into my head. You know, this is a good place to focus test for, it. For some reason, I'm supercharged about every aspect of gaming except test. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that panel soured you so much. Oh wow, <laughs> like, I'm really picking up those guys too much. That's but. funny. Today for me has been I've been submersed in like indie stuff like so the, the there was the the game lounge and then i did a panel on indie and then we've got the pax 10 which is you know uh indies can submit and we do this big voting thing and we the top 10 get their own special booth and prime expo hall location and press release to all the big news so they get a ton of press and stuff and i i moderate a panel with that and it's that to me is really exciting in yeah. terms of the industry and where it's going and and when you talk to them to tie it back into your podcast what's great is when you start talking to them about inspiration and things like that. Yeah. They're like people have lost sight of what made games so much fun and those core mechanics mm -hmm. before the graphics got all sparkly and fancy. Mm -hmm. Those core mechanics that were first shown in old NES games and Atari 2600 games, they want to recapture and find new gameplay mechanics. And it's so hard to do when you're working on big budget licensed properties. Yeah. Well, it's, you can, f you find that in a lot of, a lot of quote unquote indie games, because when you look at games, some of the smaller, especially downloadable stuff that does so well, look at castle crashers. It's TMNT all over again. Yeah. You know, it, there's, um, double dragon. You mean it's double dragon all over? Sure. Again? We'll call it double dragon or it's one. A, it's it's a, every one of those yeah. old Capcom arcade final fights. Bad dudes. You know. Uh, and you know, you look at some of the games that do the do the best in the, especially the downloadable medium, which seems to be where all the indie mm -hmm. 
should be should be going you know because with no production costs or very little it's pretty uh a better medium for it but like you know even cave story like cave story is i love that game i fucking love that game we did a show about it and it's not even a classic it's an instant because classic. it's it's an instant classic because <laughs> just like espn with so a football game it's an instant classic <laughs> <laughs> it's so you know so yeah i just i'm i'm excited so, uh, to go your, through the, your, the hall that's your new podcast spinoff the instant, the classic. instant classic. I'm telling you, you branch out. <laughs> you, although you might split your 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 listenership. <laughs> oh God! Wait, I don't people know. listen to this? Uh, there's four people listening to it. Right, five with her sitting back there just listening to it right now. So, um, I'll, I'll call my wife. <laughs> she, she might be in a closet though, so I don't know if she's got good reception. <laughs> Maybe she's playing one of my games. That's a right. fantastic game there. <laughs> Are you looking forward to seeing anything specific at the show, Mark? Uh, I've got my plan this year was to go to as many seminars as possible. And since Mm -hmm. I know, uh, since I've worked a bunch of places, I I know a lot of people. So I've basically been picking seminars based on who I know that's doing (laughs) the panel. Did you actually go to the the RPG one that Jeff Grubb was doing? Uh, Yes, I did. I ended up with uh, the Jeff Grubb panel. That was the last one I attended today, and it was it was fine. Yeah, Um, it's it's interesting. What was was the focus of it? What was the? I mean, I didn't really get a feeling for it from the title. Well, one of the uh, the basic idea was um, evolving role playing into new media. Okay, was that the pen and paper beyond? Yes. Okay, I almost moderated that. It was. (laughs) I had a conflict. Uh, it didn't always stay on topic. There, there was talk about, you know, where we, where role playing has been and where it is going, mm-hmm. um, and there was discussion of how you introduce more role playing elements into uh, uh, new electronic games. Uh, but, uh, you know, honestly, I'm I'm sort of a marginal role player when I'm at a table. I'm a problem solver sort of gamer. Okay. And so, th- it was interesting to hear them talk about it. But I keep thinking. Really, I just want to solve the problems. <laughs> I want to figure it out. You know, whether or not I'm uh, I'm speaking in a funny voice at the table is is completely separate. I really like a good game master that can do all that. Yeah, I like bantering with the game master. But when I sit down to a game, I want to sit down with a bunch of friends and figure out. I want to do creative problem solving. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why my favorite game mechanic really is the Ars Magica magic system. Because it's uh, that's a role playing. I remember that yeah. game. Uh, it's it's so completely flexible, right? You get a whole bunch of statistics, and every character's the fifteen different statistics that are very different that define how you can creatively solve your problems. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, when I sit down at a table, um, it's not necessarily about killing orcs as much as it is trying to figure out the plot, what's going on, and the best way to address it. And so the role-playing stuff is, is interesting. Uh, the question I would have asked, if I could have, um, I think both of these quotes are from Wizards of the Coast people. The first is that role-playing is making suboptimal choices for your character. And the second is, uh, how does this feat help me kill more orcs? <laughs> right? And those seem to be the two different sides of that role-playing thing when you're designing a pen and paper game. Um, because I know people who think that if you have role-playing feats in a game, it's just wasted. People are going to, you know, the mechanics for role-playing in an RPG, th- that's not important. Role-playing is what you do that's not mechanics. Mm. Um, and they're, you know, the, the other side, well, and one of the difficulties in something, if, if role-playing is making a sub-optimal choice, if role-playing is deciding that what would be best for my character is to kill that thing and take its, bar- its, its uh, enchanted weapon, but, you know... 
I wouldn't do that as a character. I need to make a different choice. I need to sacrifice something in order to play my character out. If you're doing that in an RPG online and it's or you know a standalone, and that's screwing up your character and you can't finish the game, that's yeah. You know, so, listening to Jeff Grubb talk about some of the choices uh, that they're going to uh, implement in Guild Wars Two was actually pretty interesting because you yeah. know you can't save and back up. Um, sure. And they're talking about how your choices in game with how you interact with things will will define what your character is doing. And if they can make it so that there are consequences, so there isn't always an optimal choice, right. that's role playing in a game. Am I that, talking too much now? No, no not no, at no. all. That's, that's actually <coughs> it's a very interesting subject because that that particular chain of thought is being not just in, uh, in that particular game, but it's being addressed like Warren Spector's. Yeah been talking about that that in epic mickey well that's <laughs> which is amazing yeah, yeah. i just On saw the, the trailer <laughs> and that's that's what we call good old-fashioned nightmare fuel yeah, yeah. Uh, I, that but yeah i think that's part of the that. reason that the game is taking much longer is because he wants that's fine because i play i've i've uh played the demo for that game and it's so fun yeah this in the star wars uh Gal- the the Knights of the Old Republic, yeah, there or we the go. Old Republic MMO. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. they're big pushing consequences, and you'll never play through the same way twice yeah. in terms of leveling up. There's, a character. Well, that would be that would be nice because like it brings up the point that I've I've said for a long time. It's it's I have trouble calling an RP like video games RPGs because there's no fucking role playing in them. You right. know, there's no I can't <clears throat> like you say it. It is it's you are. A video game RPG is is min maxing. That's all you're doing. You're going through and trying to, you know, yes, you can pick your path or you can pick the stats that your character has or its class, but there, there's no actual playing of a role there. So I know so. you haven't played City of Heroes because nope. you won't let yourself get sucked into an MMO. Nope. Anybody else? I, I played it. So my understanding, um, basically, when you make a character there, there's as you lo- progress in levels you get a set of abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be a lot more open, my understanding, in, in the uh, early alpha and beta. But what they found is that when people could make their own superhero and make it do whatever they wanted, people were making not super amazing functional mm-hmm. characters, but basically crippled characters that, that were all <laughs> abilities that they wanted and not what they needed to get through the, mm. the content. And so they, my understanding, and this could just be... Yeah, I I couldn't have it wrong because this is all third, fourth hand. Sure, is that they actually had a problem with people role playing to the point, you know, in their in their suboptimal choices for their character, they had a problem uh, that was so deep they had to redefine level progression because they were role playing too much basically in their choices. Huh. So I, not to name drop or anything, and I hate to do that, but um, so at Pax East, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. So at Pax Pax East, Will Wheaton gave the keynote. And um, part of his talk, and I, I, I've talked to him before about this, the way he plays uh, computer role-playing games is one save, and he never, you know, goes back and, uh-huh. and, and yeah. loads I'm it. a save weenie. He, yeah, well, he just, he, he, he lives with the consequences of his decisions, and he role-plays it. And he was talking specifically about uh, Dragon Age, uh, Bioware's Dragon Age, and goes into this whole thing about... Um, he was playing lawful good, and he gets to a point in the later in the game. Spoiler alert: where where you're supposed to bed down one of your women to infest her with a demon baby, and and he's I can't do that. 
I'm lawful good. <laughs> <laughs> and so she leaves the party. You know, and most normal cons- computer game players would be up. I want her in my party. She's my best mage. I need that ranged attack. Reset, go back, load up. Okay, let's make a different choice. Yeah. He's like, no, I live with a consequence. So there are those players out there. choices, sure. Now, uh, when I say I'm a save weenie, when I played XCOM UFO Defense, I think I actually wore out sectors on my hard drive for the number of <laughs> saves I, I made. I, 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 was, I couldn't let any of my characters I die. was raised on the Sierra Adventure game where if you make a wrong choice, you die. So I have learned save often, save oh, yeah. many. Was it... Um, King's Quest 2 that had you had to save the mouse from the cat early on and in the, at the <sighs> end of the game if you didn't the mouse wouldn't be there to cut the rope yes. so if you saved after the mouse died you fucked yourself yes <laughs> Space Quest had one of those too Space Quest was fucking brutal Space Quest had one of those if you didn't do it early in the beginning you were screwed and you couldn't 30 do minutes it. in you make a wrong choice you don't find out until there was like an inventory item yeah that is so fucking spectacular yeah. I love that but, I gotta say uh, was it not Dragon, was it the original Final Fantasy if you didn't get the harp in the beginning? Shit, I don't remember. I hate Final Fantasy, so... My latest frustration yeah, in gaming, I'm, I, I'm addicted to those Lego adventure games. I admit yeah. it, right? I'm collecting the... Uh, oh, I'm going to forget what the studs. I'm a stud collector. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I played Lego Harry Potter, and it, it's bugged. I cannot get 100% completion in uh. my game until they patch it. Or, you know, I've, I've, I've done something in a room where I've triggered something... And oh, then you I triggered left some and I, side of script, and, it and I, I've gone back, and the thing I had to destroy to get the thing is no longer there, and the stuff I'm supposed to destroy that spawns is no longer there, and I've had I've encountered crap like that before. I hate that. You, I, you, you know what? It fixed that. <coughs> Good testing. <laughs> you should <laughs> you should talk to this panel that we had today. Uh, I uh, I had that with a, a game called Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy that uh, nobody played, but it was actually pretty decent. It was a, a GameCube. I think it was multi-platform, GameCube, PS2, Xbox. And it was a Zelda-style adventure game where you you flip back and forth between Sphinx, who's this, you know, the Zelda character you're running around, you know, killing stuff. And then there's uh, the Cursed Mummy who's stuck in a tower, and his are more comical puzzle-solving stuff. And there's one part in the game where you finish a puzzle with the, the, the mummy, and there's a save point and a door. And when you go through the door, it goes through a cutscene, and then you switch over to playing Sphinx again. I saved at that save point. I went through the door. I died as Sphinx without resaving, and it popped me back at that save point, and the door was closed. Mm. And I could not advance, period. I couldn't get out of the room. I couldn't go through the door. I couldn't change the save file. And that was 20 hours into the game. So, hearkening <laughs> so. back to my gameplay counseling days, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest on the Super oh, NES wow. had an issue with you run out of keys and you end up in a room where you can't get any more <laughs> keys and there's locked doors. Um, there's an old SNES RPG called Seventh Saga. Uh-huh. It was possible to save yourself in a spot where if you took your next step, you died and <laughs> you couldn't do oh, anything awesome. I do have one more game frustration then. I'm also, I was <coughs> playing Arkham Asylum and I think I'm on Batman Arkham yeah, Asylum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm in the final fight okay. and I have... Uh, uh, I beat my head against the fight for a while, and I, I wasn't accomplishing anything. So I thought, I'll just go back to the island for a mm. bit, and I will run around, and I will do some of the 
Joker collection yeah, stuff. Sure. No, you and won't. You, you, yeah, can't. you can't. No, once you get into a fight, it saves you there, and you cannot bet. You can't go. There's no interface to say, you know, let's just let's just act like I never if, got in there. If you beat it, I think you can go look around. Yeah, I'm pretty There's sure. There's a couple <laughs> of things you can't collect early on in the game, like uh, yeah. do some Joker teeth. Oh, really? That you can't get back to? I just got lucky and got all... Wow. Because I'm an achievement whore. Yeah. I freaking... <laughs> I found every Riddler trophy and... Although I didn't find the super secret room that everyone's talking about on the internet that had the, the, the teaser for oh, the second right. game. Yeah, I heard that. Was it because it, it wasn't on detective mode. Oh, okay. I played that whole game in freaking detective Everybody mode. Everybody did. Did you hear, <laughs> hear them talking about that? They're, yeah, changing, they're changing detective it. because they... As they put it in what, something I was listening to the other day, like they have this beautiful game that they've created, such you know this great environment for you to actually enjoy, and nobody, everybody just stayed in fucking detective yeah. mode. So you're playing the whole thing in fucking wireframe the whole time. Oh, <laughs> Can like, you imagine how pissed the artists had to have been when people were like, "Well, you know, the game looks good and all, but it's kind of wireframe." Well, don't you go to detective mode? Oh no, why would I do that? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, I, I, being in the industry, I would actually go into a new area and turn off detective mode just to go. Oh, yeah, the environment looks too. really nice. Click. Yeah. All right, back. I'm going to play then, again. And then you go back to Detective Bot. So Take I, a look and then go back. I, I actually, I had a different reason. I, I started playing it because someone told me that it looks like a lot of the inspiration for the Scarecrow stuff was from Eternal Darkness. And since I had some of the camera angles that. and yeah. some of the stuff, I don't know if it's true. I haven't talked to the developers, but... Uh, since I, that was one of the few games I was really heavily involved with. As so. long as we're just bullshitting about games, um, I was really into Arkham Asylum for a good long time. And But there's something about my expectations and about the style of Batman story that I like that as soon as we got to, spoiler alert, Whatever. as soon as we got to super fantastic plant creatures being controlled by Poison Ivy, there's something that I... I just my something in my brain turned oh, off. Really? I didn't like that at all. I devour the hell out when of it that was game. When he was dealing with just crazy mortal people yeah I, that was that was where i was really into the game but the no the giant telekinetically controlled plants or whatever see it not my thing i haven't gotten to that part of the game so i can't really comment on that much but having having you know batman being really the only good dc character that exists um poison ivy is always <laughs> Boo. that is not true to poison you ivy can have the fist fight later poison <laughs> ivy never like that seems kind of that i think that would throw me out of it too because that wouldn't be my interpretation. See, and I had so much fun with the gameplay mechanics, it didn't bother me. Well, I mean, the only time you see Freeze, he's uh, in a cell that's just clogged with ice. You don't actually see him. Clayface, you don't... because they don't want to show you that they modeled him after Schwarzenegger. They were more more just kind of Easter eggs and nods. They weren't interactive parts. And almost all the villains... I mean, the stuff with... uh, The stuff with... Uh, the Scarecrow didn't throw me out of the game because it's presented so well as an effect of the fear gas. Yes. And so that was just natural, okay. right? So right. it's all really going on in Batman's mm. brain. Sure. But the stuff with Poison Ivy, uh, no. And when the when the giant telekinetically controlled plants start to come after uh, Batman, I, there's something that just doesn't do it for Fair me. enough. Yeah. To each their own. Well, it's, I mean, it's sort of a problem with DC, if I can digress even more. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's a no, lot no. of problems with DC. The, Superman. I love Superman. Well, Superman is my favorite. There's sort of the stuff that happens. There's the, Well, there's the Batman villains that are just sort of mortals that have uh-huh. severe problems. Yeah, there's then there's yeah, the, Zaz is my favorite uh, Batman bad guy. I will admit. And then there's the then there's the moderately weird stuff like Poison Ivy, okay. and then you go to the super weird stuff like uh, I, and I haven't read it all, but the Blackest Night eighteen 
lantern core stuff where oh right or or the you know the the super far future uh stuff that, i that don't i that's one of my my one of my biggest problems with the dc universe is the entirety of green lantern i cannot fucking stand green lantern it's the dumbest superhero i have ever seen i've got to say though green lantern is the hottest thing i saw at, at gen con when i was there uh, i haven't seen as much here but Everybody, and it could have been that I was standing at a booth where we were selling a DC Adventures game. <laughs> but there were so many Green Lantern T-shirts there, um, more than more than I saw of Superman or any other property. Uh, it was it was Green Lantern, and and that uh, that's the, it's the you Warner Brothers because nobody wants it. <laughs> Publicity machine gearing up for the movie release Probably. is what that is. I even have a Green Lantern T-shirt, but the only reason I have it is because it's a Versus System shirt that I got for free, well, years and years ago. So does it, does it have the little? It's the upper deck Versus System. Yes. Does what, it have the little underpants logo on it? Whatever. <laughs> He's, he stopped wearing it because every time a yellow school bus went by, he'd collapse to his knees. I see. That's <laughs> why I hate it. his superpower is green. And his nemesis is yellow? Oh, no, no. no. Come I'd say, I'm, on. I'm, 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 not, I'm neither defending nor extolling the virtues of Green Lantern. I just I'm really like Superman. Anyway, <laughs> I, back to the point. I really like the Batman stuff that seemed like it was just his crazy enemies. I Yeah, I I, I don't get a chance to play a lot of uh, games as often as I, I wish. i got to wait till the little one goes to bed, and, and then it's... Well, so how much have you been how much, playing? How much sleep do I sacrifice? Um... Boy, good question. I uh, you have a DS game, right? I do. I've been playing Dragon Quest Nine recently, and I just finished Puzzle Quest Two. Um, Puzzle Quest. Uh, the first one oh, I loved. Quest. First one. I, I played the second one, finished it on the DS. But I've been going back and playing. Uh, for me, the perfect l- amount of game length is like ten to twelve hours. So I went back and played the two Uncharted games. On the PS3. Yes, Uncharted. Yes. Amazing. Uncharted 2 is one of the most fun yep. game experiences I have ever had. Yep. And I'm, and I'm right there with you. The classic. Ten, the, t- the, ten, uh, the 10 to 12 hour range is about where I sit, Yeah, too. it's the perfect where I don't feel like, like I'm grinding. Now, this coming from a guy who put in 100 hours into Dragon Age and Mass <laughs> Effect 2. I, the, I mean, I've played the fuck out of those games and downloaded every bit of extra mission content. And in fact... On Tuesday, when both an expansion come back comes out for both of those games, Ugh. that's my post packs thing. But yeah, the ten to twelve like action adventure, Uncharted two in terms of just yeah. the level construction and the narrative and the script, it had one of the most satisfying game endings I have ever seen in a game, and it wasn't over the top creative. It was because they had made you care about these characters, yeah, so much that the conversation between Drake and the female lead yeah. at the end when they just start bantering felt more satisfying and yeah. complete to me <laughs> on a 110 scale how worried were you about you know the girl dying cuz oh cuz <laughs> the, the the um yeah. I'm not really dead <laughs> or I wasn't really dead. I was worried she was going to die and I'm glad that they fixed that be- because in the first game I like the ending was to me was not that satisfying not uh, for two reasons one because I didn't think that the uh, the actual like cinematic ending was kind of anticlimactic mm-hmm. and the the end fight in that game is one of the worst like f- they You're implemented about the first as, one <clears throat> yeah they implemented it as it was like the worst thing they could have done in that particular like game setting is to take this game where they you spend the entire game in this very 
uh, specific combat system. Yeah, and um, And then the last fight is go into a room, get shot at a bunch, shoot, rinse, repeat three times, yep. and then the last fight of the game is quick time events. Yeah, I was just like, oh, they're so aggravating. That's yeah, why yeah. I like the the end fight in Uncharted Two. They, you know, they put the environment, mm-hmm. uh, the, the give you, they give you that little environmental thing that you can do, and the, and you're actually fighting. Yeah. The There's guy. a good and game design like note. If you're going to build a boss level, uh, really what you should be doing is giving people a very good challenge on the skills you've been training them up to do the exactly. whole time. Exactly. Yep. And if you introduce a new mechanic in your boss fight, you're probably doing something yep. wrong. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, it wasn't necessarily a new mechanic. It was just... Is a variation frequently, uh, very infrequently used, and not really a good like. Previously in the game, the quick time events show up as environmental hazards, right? Like you're you're climbing a wall, something starts to slip in your hand, you have to hit hit a button, hit a button to react and do your thing. That's fine. I have no problem with that as an environmental thing. But when it becomes the main crux of the boss fight at the end, then it's like then you start to you know. The, so. the writing of that, real quick, uh, the writing of that game, though, mm-hmm. the part where you're breaking in to steal the original, uh, like, the lamp that you break, mm-hmm. yeah. and the guy who's looking out for you is like, there's a guy above you, there's a guy above you, and you throw him off the cliff, and he says, there's a guy below you, there's a guy below yeah, you. Yeah, that was I so I look g- down, I'm like, I don't <laughs> see him anywhere, where's he at? Uh, my girlfriend at the time, she's like, you just killed him. I'm like, and I had to stop for like two minutes because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, and I, di- I didn't have that. I didn't have the stop moment. I just, I, there's a guy above you, and I threw him off the cliff. There's a guy below you, and I, I had to pause because I was crying. I was laughing so yeah, hard. I, it's, it's, yeah, it's that is a, a great a best train level in any goddamn game I've ever played yeah. to and charted to. Um, the best <laughs> cutscene ever. <laughs> it's a lot of blood. It's a lot of my blood. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's weird because we we're talking about the time, but, you know, Mass Effect. What, Red, I freaking finished Red Dead. Right. Oh, I need to play that. And, and um, I have two friends who have, but I was watching them instead of playing it myself. Oh God, that talk about a really great narrative for a sandbox game. Yeah. That narrative is fantastic. And what was funny is I kept thinking I was getting to the end. And no. <laughs> right. There's a new element in the story, and it was just as compelling. Like I didn't feel like it was a false ending. I didn't feel like, oh crap, I gotta right. keep playing. It yeah. was, oh my gosh, I'm Some in a new movies. chapter. Yes, I get to keep playing. Some movies do that sort of thing, and it, you feel cheated. Yeah, yeah. But uh, from what I've, both of the friends that actually played through it have liked all of those turns. Right, you get to yeah. a point, and you think, okay, there's this bad guy, and I'm going to deal with it, yeah. and then the game's going to be over. But it opens up a new. Yeah, uh, area of the game, and, and it, it, but but what's what makes it work is it, it, it's it's centered around character development, right? Yeah, it's the character that you've come to care about and appreciate, yeah. and so you want to know what happens next in the story. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's that's the same thing I felt with Infamous, and I'm playing mm-hmm. through Infamous again. Um, and that's one. That's a game that's that I like uh, the sandbox elements of that game because. By the time you get toward the end of the game or even toward the middle of the game, they've given you so many kick-ass powers that you just like screwing around with. And they, you have the ability, if you want, to just play through the game and just be like done with the story and done. But they give you so much crap you can do, so many side missions. And what? Are you playing good or evil? I'm playing good for the second time because I, I played halfway through it and then put it down for eight months and forgot everything about it. So I'm starting over. I'm going to play through straight through good, and then I'm going to play straight through evil. When while my roommate was playing through good, I was occasionally playing some, and I had to play evil just to see what it was like. Mm-hmm. And 
I they, I have some deep deep dark demons or something because <laughs> for some reason when I actually do I I keep telling myself I'm not going to have fun playing the bad guy I like playing the good guy I like heroes but when I play a game like that <laughs> yeah it, there's something that gets switched on and suddenly I'm just a mass murderer Do you well, kill uh, all the townspeople in Fable as well? Uh, I haven't played Fable. Uh, well, and they do another. Yeah, they do a good thing with Infamous uh, when you're playing through evil because they they change the powers that you get depending on whether you're good or evil, right? And the powers that you get when you're evil are all centered around mass destruction. Mm -hmm. They're centered around, like, you know, breaking shit and bringing, you know, doing as much damage to as wide an area as possible. So when you walk up, you know, you see a group of people that are like, oh, fuck, it's cold, and they start running away, and you're like, ha, 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 and kill them all. It just, it's, there's something a little bit satisfying. Yeah, that's that. one I need to pick up. I haven't played that one. Infamous is a spectacular game. Right. I, I know the guys played it. I just... It, I we went to the Infamous 2 panel mm-hmm. earlier, and they showed some gameplay footage from the new one. And um, the, the first one is a little... It's got some problems, like especially graphical. It's got... It's, it's just a little unpolished. Mm-hmm. Um, the game overall is really good, and there's a lot you can do. When I was looking at the... Uh, uh, infamous 2 game footage it looks as good easily as uncharted 2 which is okay, one of the best looking games i've i've ever seen um and they give you some just fucking kick ass abilities that just look so much fun being able to you know pick up a you can take somebody's gun out of their hand and then charge it uh with electricity and use it as a melee weapon and just like just beat the shit out of people you can it, it just it looks it looks awesome and i can't wait for it is to come that out. what you're looking forward to the most in terms that, oh, so, so yeah. what's on your radar for the next second half of the year i guess last four, quarter of the well, year there's a couple of games that i haven't bought yet that i need to like um i still need to get mod nation racers because i just i it looks like a lot of fun i want to fuck around with it um but infamous 2 is the big one for me hmm. infamous 2 and uh resistance 3 um and the one that, oddly enough, a lot of people have thought otherwise. Like most people, I, I've heard a lot of people talking lately that they don't like co- local co-op in, in video games. Like, and a lot of developers have phased it out because mm-hmm. they think they don't think it's very it adds yeah, much value. I think that's, I think that's <coughs> I think unfortunate. Sucks. Yeah, yeah, I think it's unfortunate too. But um, one of my favorite series in video game history is the Ratchet and Clank series. Mm. Uh, I love all of them, and I think A Crack in Time is one of my all-time favorite games. It, it, it Basically, they took everything cool about Ratchet and Clank and made it better. Um, they are doing a game called Ratchet All for One that is uh, a four-player co-op Ratchet and Clank game mm-hmm. where you can play as Ratchet, Clank, uh, Captain Quark, or um, Doctor Nefarious, and uh, that g- I saw when I saw that and heard that they were doing co-op because uh, my wife and I love playing co-op games. We played through yeah. the entirety of Resistance co-op. Eventually, we're going to get around to playing Little Big Planet together, um, and but we're both huge Ratchet and Clank fans. And then when when we heard they're doing Ratchet and Clank and they're doing it co-op, that's just going to be so much fun. That's going to be spe- spectacular. Have you played so. Crackdown or Crackdown 2? No, I have not. I don't have an Xbox. Uh, I was going to ask, because you seem to mention a lot of Sony titles I was or, or, or PlayStation titles. I had an Xbox for eight months. I played it for a week. I played it for a, a grand total of about ten hours over the course of two weeks. I didn't touch it for the remaining eight mm. months, and I sold it. So that's... I just... 
Sony is I, I'm not a Sony fanboy. It's just that they m- release the games that I like. That's mm. so the Ratchet and Clank stuff. Uh, you know, back before Infamous, I was I was into Sly Cooper. I like the Jack and Daxter games. Um, so a lot of the Sony specific God of War games That's are funny. awesome. So I'm, I'm almost exactly the opposite. It's, I, I very rarely play anything on the PlayStation Three. Wow. Of course, achievement whore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then all the Uncharted games become I tr- a trophy. Whore. I tried. I tried Heavy Rain. Game's too emotionally distracted. What make. the game is amazing. It, it is, and but I can only play it for about twenty minutes before I'm emotionally overwhelmed, <laughs> <laughs> and I just can't. I, I can't bring myself to boot it up again. I, I keep stop. Persona- I, I, uh, Do you I have? S- do you have a, a boy? Do you have a young boy? Three year old. Do you have a three year old young boy? Are you a dad? No. I'm uh, that not. that makes the difference. I'll tell you right now. My my whole perspective changed in just terms of uh, emotional content. Not it's not like oh video games are bad kind of change, but in terms of emotional impact of content, yeah. And it's funny I'm watching this more and more because I was just another game that I popped up, and they started talking about dad and relationships. As the industry gets older, and the developers become dads, become dads, mm-hmm. the emotional impact is no longer save the princess; it's protect the family. <laughs> yeah. And it's making its way into all sorts of different narratives in the gaming industry. And I'm like, ah, it's preying on my emotional vulnerabilities. You know what else I've noticed on that theme? That uh, while booth babes are still a good way to get boys to come to your booth, the booth babies actually attract people just as well. If you have somebody standing (laughs) at your booth with a stroller... People will collect around your booth to coo at the baby yeah, it's because, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, wow. You're not going to the same cons I'm going to. Uh, it's home and garden shows. No, just watch at the booths for people who are walking around with strollers. It people works really well at bridal, bridal shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's clearly not Boat where show. Andy's going. Yeah, 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 it's it's. Uh, Sorry, we're all getting older. No, yeah, I know. I just I, I found it very interesting. I, I'm trying to remember which game it was that I booted up and was like, oh no, not again! This is horrible. Uh, yeah. But well, I, uh, that's something that I like, though. I like the fact that they're putting real emotional impact into games like this, and I think, you know, it's it goes back to the role playing thing and going back to the you know having consequences for your actions. And I definitely think it's a good thing. I, I yeah. think it's a. It's a maturing and expanding of yeah. of the venue of the industry. And uh, one of the topics in the first session I was at, the game design topic at the beginning, um, uh, it was James Ernest and Steve Jackson, um, and a woman whose name I forget, who had some great intellectual analysis of game uh, of what's fun in games, the different kinds of fun in games. But one of the questions was, why are we saying fun? Right? You can go to something like Schindler's List. And you won't have a good time necessarily, but it's a fantastic media experience. Sure. And so, you know, the, there's a debate there about, you know, what kind of emotional content do we need to have in a game, in something that we call a game? What do we have fun? It, can we still call it fun? It, it's certainly engaging. Uh, that's well, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it, it's a, it's a, it depends on the audience, right? Because you can almost say the same thing about books what what sell there's some incredibly just emotionally heart-wrenching books um it's 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 a different me- how the person interacts with the medium is the difference i think it's 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 much harder to be an active participant in a sad story 
than it is to be a passive viewer or reader. Especially the example being heavy rain, especially in, a, in an instance where you're you are making those decisions. Oh my gosh. I know? am the best like, freaking dad in that game. I so <laughs> feel bad that I killed his brother that I'm like, oh, you, okay, I still need you to do your homework, but I'm going to make sure you're fed. And, and, and I'm going to read you the story and, and turn out your lights because I'm so emotionally distraught over what's happened. And it got to the point where I, I wasn't enjoying the gameplay mechanics. Yeah. Because I was so just, I, I don't want to see what other horrible thing happens to this guy. No, let yourself get totally wrapped up in it and just go nuts. Because I think that's the point. I think to to some degree, I think that that was their intention was for you to kind of forget about the game mechanics and not care about that so much as you're caring about the decisions you're making. And, See, and that's the thing. If if this was a story or a novel, I probably would have kept reading. But the fact that I was actively participating in this life, I had to pull back. It was too close to my to not in in terms of normal reality for me. I could. I could see myself in a crazy situation like this. I identified it with too closely. See, you said it's not a story, but it is a story. It is a story, but I, you know, with a book, I, there's plenty of books that just tear me up. It's um, not a passive story. Free. Uh, okay. I'll so, so uh, a good example, um, on the road. Uh, the, the 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 book that got turned into a movie with you mean Viggo the road? And, Oh, the road. That's what it is. Thank you. Um, Cormac MacArthur. Oh my gosh. So yeah, this is a book that I would have enjoyed. A ton. I would have been a great little post-apocalyptic story before birth of my son. After birth, I was an emotional wreck. <laughs> After, I'm reading this book and I, I'm crying so hard, I, the bed shaking, and my wife wakes up. What's the matter? What's gone wrong? Are you okay? And but there were times where I okay, I I I I, I still want to finish the story. I can read it. I'm not I'm not actively I. I'm not determining where the narrative goes. Someone mm -hmm. else is telling me where the narrative goes. And even in the games, yes, the narrative is somewhat predetermined. I'm an active participant, mm -hmm. and I no longer want to participate in that narrative. I want the narrative to be told to me. So, uh, uh, this is a really deep conversation. Yeah, also. I was going to say, <laughs> uh, don't read Blood Meridian. Don't read all the pretty horses. Just stop with all right, fair the enough. road. You're golden. Fair Let's enough. go back to something a little bit lighter. I think people are here to have fun. Yeah. Well, okay, so to, to bring it around to right. something from today, we actually went and saw the keynote. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah, we went and saw Warren Spector talk. You made um, it? We made it uh, because I had a friend of mine that was uh, further up in the line. You than jumped uh, line. So I jumped the line a little bit. <clears throat> um, yeah, the, the, I jumped the line because when, okay, and I have to describe this. I got down there at 9.30. The keynote started at 10.30. Benaroya Hall is one city block wide by two city blocks long. The line started in the rotunda at one end at the south end of the building, went all the way down the front end of the building. It was about three people abreast. Two blocks. Uh, two blocks down. So six blocks worth of people. Right. Three abreast. So it went out that door, down the block, Back up the the second street. Back up Second Street. There's a little like park thing at one end of the <clears throat> Benaroya Hall. So it comes up into the park, zigzags, comes back out to the corner, was all the way back up to Third Street and back into the building. By the time so I got there, so that's basically like nine to ten blocks worth of people, three abreast, waiting to get into the theater that fits three thousand. Right. 
platform. So yes, I jumped the line to go to the keynote. And you should um, have followed Pax Lines on Twitter. <laughs> they would have told you that it was too long and to stay at the main convention center. Yeah, um, it was a it was it was an interesting keynote. But I think the the thing that came that I came away uh, the that rang true with me the most was him was Warren Spector talking about the concept of of gamers as I'm kind of paraphrasing, but gamers as elitists, mm-hmm. where um, this this in, this exact subject came up when I was working at Wizards of the Coast uh, because we had just released uh, third edition D anD D, and the the subject is gamers spending. S- we spend so much of our time and so many years trying to break out of the mentality that we are, um, or trying trying to break out of the the image that we're uh, we're fringe, mm-hmm. or you know that that it's somehow that what we do is wrong. Mm-hmm. Somehow, I'm not putting it nearly as eloquently as Warren Spector did, but um, <clears throat> and then once that stuff starts to get mainstreamed, now the people who are in that and have uh, have spent all that time trying to get society to look at them more favorably, now that society is starting to see it that way and mainstream it and become part of it now we're complaining that that uh our that it's getting diluted or mm-hmm. that it's you know that that uh, to the, the mainstream games are are destroying our quote unquote hardcore pastime this exact same thing happened when third ed D got released because i actually i was working in customer service at wizards of the coast and i actually got calls from people who told me that Wizards of the Coast had ruined Dungeons and Dragons because uh, they made it easy enough to understand that anybody could play, and that was taking their ability yeah. to hold it, you know, so close to the breast, close to the chest. It's, uh, that happens with every that. edition, I understand. Yeah, no, and it's there's a there's a sense of entitlement that a lot of game fans get because they feel that they are personally responsible for the success of the games that they're playing. Right, um, and when I was there. A lot of Wizards of the Coast customer service here. When I was in Wizards of the Coast customer service, we saw that with people calling up and expecting us to pay attention to them and their group because right. they'd been supporting it for so long. And it's nice to get opinions, but you know, if you disagree with everybody else or if you disagree with the, the brand team that has more information than you, you, you don't... I mean, that sense of entitlement is just going to lead to disappointment later. I'm not sure if it's because the industry is aging or... Be, uh, may, maybe that's just basic human nature. How much of it is, it is, 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 I don't mean to step on you, but I, I'm, I'm just curious, how much of it is you made fun of me b- before this and now you want to be part of the club kind yeah. of feeling? Well, see, the thing, though, is that everybody wants their hobby, everybody wants to have people who, who share common interests with them and have their hobby, you know. And to some degree, I agree with you that it's like... you. Screw you, you fucking jock, you know? But um, I, as a gamer, uh, in all kinds of gamer and geeky uh, things, like, the uh, the concept of more people being interested is exactly what I've always wanted. I will never be asked back to your podcast, but I have no problem with millions of people playing Farmville. I have learned to turn off the notifications in my Facebook. Peggle Um, is amazing. um, It's a gateway drug. I... Every time I see my aunt, my my fifty-year-old former army commander aunt, asking people to help her build a barn, yeah. I am secretly inside delighted hey, that sure. she has found this outlet. I agree. 
Uh, I, so I, the people that are complaining seem to be the ones that, well, that aren't trying to make money off of the game. <laughs> <laughs> because the fact of the matter is they're, they're saying that it should be, uh, when they're saying it should be more exclusive, they're saying basically we are the gatekeepers and we will introduce new people to your games. You, you cannot expand the game. You cannot get more customers. You are going to have to live with us as your only means for expansion. And that's ridiculous. And what they don't, what they don't, what they're not taking into account is that um, without that revenue stream, their games go away. You know, so it just, I, I, I agree with you. I have we, no problem. Yeah, we all, I think we're, we are all on the same page. Well, I think that's because we all, uh, expect to make our livelihood out of games in some way. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but we're all fans well, too. It, sure, but it gives us the perspective of these companies. Uh, there are a lot of well, back from customer service, right? There are a lot of people that don't seem to understand that the way you stay in business is to make a profit. Sure, um, and you know, if the company can't m- make a good profit, the game isn't going to be you produced see, any longer. So, okay, I, uh, being the only person who did not work. At Wizards of the Coast <laughs> with customer service, you know, represent third edition D and D. Right? People were calling and complaining about the rules. What was stopping them from, you know, were, were you guys hanging out in their houses saying, "Oh, no, 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 you you can't change that rule"? No, that's the thing. That's um, they were what they were complaining about was made was that it was made more accessible. Not that the not that the rules were. They must have hated fourth edition. Uh, yeah, I know. It's it's and that's it, that's it's an absurd attitude. Like it's. That was an extreme, definitely. I mean, in in the video game industry, it's more of a, it, it's a little more subverted. Like it's not, it's not necessarily people like going nuts about. Well, with video games, I mean, except you, uh, except when you're talking about Farmville, then people are like, "Fuck that fucking Farmville! I can't stand it." With you video know, games, like, you don't really have the option to having your GM redefine things. However, to your point, um, one of my friends who has done game design for Wizards of the Coast, his point is that the game audience, the RPG game audience, tends to be very imaginative, but not very creative. So they're very good at seeing somebody else's vision and and sort of incorporating that and, you know, imagining somebody else's world. But when you ask them to add to it, there can be a, a real cliff there. And that's why prepackaged adventures are required, and that's why people call up and they say, we need you to adjudicate our game rules. Yeah. Because they don't, they don't want to deal with that uh, extra step of responsibility for their game, or they they really can't, and that's fine. Um, but that's that's part of the audience. All right, so I think we probably better get this wrapped up. So uh, we've, we've meandered from, yeah. from one subject to the other, aimlessly bouncing into walls. So uh, you wanted to, Jeff, talk about what what should people look forward to over the rest of the I, convention? I, it's not going to matter, right? Because it's going to go up after the show's all closed. But no, it's I'm, actually I'm probably going to try and finish it tonight? it tonight. Wow, you are dedicated. Yes, I, I'm impressed. <laughs> You're going to eat, right? Yes. Um, yeah, dinner so, is next. <laughs> so. Uh, Tomorrow, um, the picture game idea panel. Um, but uh, for those that we've had some tabletop discussion, uh, a live D and D two-hour play uh, based on uh, a marketing uh, podcast that that Penny Arcade had done for Watsi about Fourth Edition, featuring a cast of characters called Acquisitions Incorporated, mm-hmm. um, uh, featuring uh, Gabe and Tycho, uh, Scott Kurtz from PvP, and Will Wheaton. Um, and what's great is we've actually uh, incorporated uh, the folks that run. So we have lots of big lines here, and we have this company called Get in Line Games, where they'll do trivia and things, and you could use text messaging and and things to vote 
on things and its real-time results. We're going to incorporate that into the adventure. So Chris Perkins from Watsi is our DM, and he's incorporated a few key points where the kind of choose-your-own-adventure, and we're going to let the audience vote nice. and, and kind of figure out you know some key key points there so that's the big thing as always anything mike and jerry do are freaking awesome and fantastic they're just so naturally funny um they're doing a i believe a make your strip panel so they're going to sit down and actually make a comic strip so those are those are my personal highlights um tons of attorneys yeah if you're into games period like yeah there's so many attorneys do you know who's tomorrow night who is doing the music tomorrow night I don't. Jeez, there's a concert going on tonight, right now. Yeah, Proto Men's tonight. Are you missing it? Are you sad? And I know Anamanaguchi and Mini Bosses are tonight. I think as well. so. I think tomorrow is Paul and Storm Colton. Oh, I can miss that. Might one, be then. front a lot. Oh. oh, I could definitely miss that one. I fucking hate MC. Front really? A lot. I hate MC Front a lot. Would you like me to introduce you to him tomorrow? He's a really nice guy. I, I'm sure he's a nice guy. His he's music's a terrible. Super nice guy. I've seen Colton and Paul and Storm twice. Uh, and uh, I'll go to see them as often as they. I'm show indifferent up. toward Colton, but I can't stand front a lot. Like you can introduce me to him I love as long as you don't mind me looking him in the face and saying, "Dude, you're a nice guy. Your music fucking blows." So, <laughs> see, I can't separate the people from the music. I like them all. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, lots to look forward to. Uh, we will be doing shows uh, every day of the show. Uh, we'll do one tomorrow night and one on Sunday night after everything's done. Maybe maybe we can convince uh, Jeff to come back on Sunday. Definitely, and yeah, definitely not tomorrow. Maybe Sunday. Uh, maybe. I've got to be around for the final round of the Omegathon. That's fine. Uh, for those who don't know what the Omegathon is, you don't know, but... Yeah, I got to stick around for that. So and tell everybody what the Omegathon the is. The Omegathon. So everyone who pre-registers is randomly entered into the Omegathon, and we pull names and ask them if they want to compete. And it is a group of twenty people that compete in six or seven rounds of various gaming challenges. Um, finally, whittling down to the final two, and the final two compete in some super secret game. Uh, that's always a big unveiling, and it's a big last event of packs and. Uh, uh, the the prize like the first year it was a collection it was every NES game ever made nice um, one year it was a fully decked out car with the Xbox and the, nice. the things and the last few years it's been a trip to the Tokyo Game Show with five thousand dollars spending cash weren't you, you know? talking earlier about a tr- one con giving away a trip to another con yeah it was, that was <laughs> it. it's a little different right but because because you could not go to the con and just go to Tokyo, right? And you get plenty of spending cash and yeah. a nice hotel and, and airfare and everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the final event has been, uh, I think the first year it was Pong. You know, don't you? I remember, I the, fir- I remember the first year because I, it wasn't it like every round was progressive a progressively older game? Uh, sometimes. And it depends. It, it's a mix. I, like I'm just talking about the first one. I think the first one, that's uh, the way it was set up. Like, it started with, I think, Halo... And then it got progressively older every round until it was Pong at the it's, end. It's, it's a little oh, mix. It's, so. it's, it, it, it's meant to stretch the skills. Um, you know, we last year, ski there ball. was... Uh, Skee-Ball was the final uh, last year um, at yeah. PAX Prime. Uh, PAX East was a marathon of old NES games where they had to get, like, 30 coins in Super Mario you Brothers. You mean the, uh, the Nintendo World Championship game where you had to get... 50 coins in Super Mario Bros. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was a duplication Beat of that. The first level of Rad Racer. Yeah, you yeah guys first level of Rad Racer. For the final round of one, you need to find the old Star Fox competition card yeah, and yeah. do that. All right. Yes. Yeah, those are easier said than done, right? Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, it's it, 
uh, I think this year we've got Zombie Dice as one of the events. Nice. Last year we had Connect Four, Jenga, and then but then it'll be Mario Kart. It'll be we had Bookworm Adventures <laughs> or, or or Peggle, um, or we had Halo ODST Peggle's as one so of them last random. year. So fucking random. How do you compete at oh, no, Peggle? You, don't understand. <laughs> you handicap the other person. You can go on YouTube and find these. Patterns. Patterns of where exactly to aim to maximize. Oh, and people were doing studying and stuff. It was nuts. You know, Mario Kart, it's a little bit of everything. Oh, and there's always one big musical one, like a Beatles rock band or Rock Band 3 or, or whatever. Taco um, Drum Master. Yeah. Was it two years ago that it was uh, Versus Excite Bike? It's the final. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we had Versus Excite nice. Bike from Japan. Um, the disc system on the on the Famicom. Oh, wow. Um, so, it's yeah, it was, it was the special. Uh, we we had the first unveiling of Halo Three multiplayer, nice like maps that had never been seen before, and the mini bosses actually did a really cool version of the Halo theme, and they played smoke and we had the special Cortana video that popped up and you are not ready and it was really <laughs> awesome it was over the top, um, yeah we did the ski ball we did combat, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred combat one year wow. we did uh, uh, Tetris but it was uh, it was the the Tengen card, the Tengen card of Tetris. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, it's it's always it's, it's always a really cool, fun, big reveal, and I, I so that's always I got to stick around for the end of that, but possibly at the end of Sunday to go back to our original point. Yeah, absolutely. I might be able to pop in. That would be cool. <laughs> All right, so uh, All right. I guess I'm going to wrap the show up. I was gonna, I had something in my head, but as usual, I forgot I, it. It's uh, a little late, and I'm uh, I'm a little tired. I wish I. I I think this might be more fun fun with a little alcohol in me, but that's okay. Now, all right, now, all right. So, thank you for indulging um, my stories. Absolutely. Um, so, you're going to play us out with a little MC front a lot. That's right. Jesus. Um, follow us on Twitter after the fact pod. Uh, you can email us questions at after the fact podcast at geekerific.com. Join the forums geekerific.com. G e e k e r i f i c. Um, we're on Facebook after the fact podcast. Uh, if there's something I'm forgetting, <laughs> I just so don't care right What's now. What's your CompuServe so form? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a Prodigy account? Oh yes. <laughs> Oof. Uh, you can find us on the BBS at twenty four hundred baud only. <laughs> um, thank you, Mark, for for joining us today. Thanks for asking. Thank you, Andy, for sitting around and not talking hardly at all. You guys were just going on a tangent. I'm like, well, I haven't been to the show yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us and no uh, giving us a little yeah, insight. I actually, insight. this was all just yeah. a ploy to get tells from you so I can beat you in poker. Uh huh. <laughs> That'll never happen. <laughs> It will if I play on your left. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, this has been After the Fact Podcast, and we're out.